0: Welcome to Gator Bites, the official business podcast of the Maryland Davies College of Business. I am your host, Miguel Gomez, and before we begin, we'd like to ask you to follow us on our social medias at UHD, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and X. With us today, we have the Director of the Career Center, Mr. Brett Hobby. Welcome to the program. Hi Miguel, thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you so <laughs> nice much. To be here. Uh, we're so excited to have you here on the program to talk to you about what the Career Center does and also some of the cool events that y'all have lined up for this year. Sounds um, good. So let's go ahead and just dive right on in. Um, I'm a I'm a first I'm a first uh, day student. I'm here for the first time. What is a career center? What do you guys have to offer? And what are some of the services that you provide to our students? Sure. Thanks for having me. So um, so for students, I mean,
1: primarily what they should know is we are here to help connect them with employers. Um, they are working hard with academic advisors or academic success coordinators to make sure they get the classes they need to fulfill the degree requirements for whatever major and, and level of degree they're pursuing here. But we are here to help get them in front of employers so they can get related experiences like internships, externships. Um, to tie back to the the major that they're pursuing and or the the their intended career path, right? And um, that experience is really crucial for students because that's primarily the way they transition transition into the workforce um, at a level higher than what they came in as as a student initially. So everything we do is is around that thought. Um, we're always trying to connect students with employers. So. We have standard events that, that most everybody knows about that would be called career fair, mm-hmm. and so that's where you know employers are on campus and meeting with students one on one, at least briefly for a few minutes, mm-hmm. uh, to to determine if maybe an actual interview for their internship or full time job is um, is needed. Um, but we do a lot of events with our students too to help them identify and master certain skills in, in our in, excuse me in, in our field we call those career competencies. Mm-hmm. And so such as leadership, communication skills, Uh, we know that um, both verbal and written communication skills are very important. So uh, networking, you know. So we have events where we're just getting students to learn about and master those kinds of competencies so they can get them on their resume. But they also have the competencies they can implement when they're at events like career fairs and things like that. It's part of them becoming a professional. So we really deal with the whole professional side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got the academic side, and then we handle the whole professional side for the students. Um, and so we work largely with current students in the college of business, but our alumni also also have access to us as well. Mm-hmm. So um, and we're actually going to be
0: expanding offerings to our alumni uh, starting this semester, actually. That's great news. I feel that one of the things that is often not really known is the fact that this is a service that you guys still offer to our alumni after they graduate. And for free as well.
1: Wow. And that's actually a UHD-wide philosophy as of right now. Um, And I can tell you pretty confidently that even if it were to change at the university level at some point through the main career center, the College of Business Career Center, I'm pretty sure we're going to maintain a
0: free status for alumni as long as we can that's amazing it's a way to sort of cultivate a sense of community and to say that we are ready to help all types of gators whether you're still a current student or whether you're an alumni exactly you know Um, you mentioned career fairs we're heading into career fair season we are it's sort of like our fashion february (laughs) 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 it's our super bowl it's february Yes, um, but y'all have so many events offered throughout the years, and um, I actually have a surprise for you. Oh, okay. Oh, yes.
1: Well, there you go. So you have all <laughs> the events.
0: That's most of what we have. Sometimes we
1: have events that we're kind of planning on the side, and sometimes we can't confirm um, specific dates and times or locations for certain events, and so um, we'll sometimes leave them off of there. Right, and, and so we have more time to kind of work on them. But yes, those are the major events, and it's a pretty good representation of what we typically do each semester. I mean, we have three career fairs. One's accounting finance, one's all business majors, and one is still virtual. The virtual one, we still get employers signing up. Wow. And we know we always have students who will participate, um, but it's totally free to employers, and so it, it lessens the... the I guess it it lessens the challenge we have about trying to get really great student turnout for the virtual fair. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other two fairs, we do charge a little bit for employers because we are giving them parking and feeding them and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But as the viewers can see, we had um, just yesterday, we had our student org um, mixer and pizza party. But there's also um, suit up, suit up event uh, next week as well. Uh, Career fairs. We always have an etiquette dinner. Um, For the first time, we're combining our um, what used to be Meet the Industry. We're going to combine it with our Speed Networking event Mm. and also include alumni. Right. So that's exciting. That's going to be the first iteration of that event coming up this semester. And that's where we're trying to intentionally pull more alumni in, whether they need help making connections or whether they're coming to represent a company they work for. Wow. Right. So we're really excited. And that's... That builds back into the strategic plan for the college as well as a strategic plan for the university as well, getting alumni more engaged in having more events for them. Because they don't often think they can come back. And at most campuses, when they do, they pay. They have to pay through a career center to come back. And I understand why they have those models in those career centers at those schools. But where we don't have to have that model, we were planning not to have that model. And so it makes it a lot easier for us. You know, there's not there's barriers that aren't there for alumni. There's, it's more just a matter of can they make it, can they get here in time? <laughs> you
0: know, traffic in Houston, those kind of things. Yeah, all those things really do factor in, but I, I really love that that ties back to the whole theme of accessibility and affordability. Um, that's something that our institution's always been known for, especially in the community. So the fact is that the door's open for alumni who need help or who just want to be able to offer the help for the next generation who want to get their foot in the door at these big companies. Um, so, you know, we looked at the big events that y'all have this year. It's a big roster. Obviously, I pulled out a big poster, but, um, you know, let's go ahead and dive right into career fair. Sure. You know, walk me, what is, walk me through it. What is career fair? Um, what are some of the types of employers that you get out there about how many, and what are some ways that students can prepare to land their dream job or internship whenever they're there? Sure. So career fair, uh, every fall and every
1: spring, not really over the summer. Um, but it's it's the main way we find that our students really have an opportunity to, to talk to an actual person. It's mm-hmm. not just applying online virtually through great platforms like Gator Hired that we use or LinkedIn or other um, web-based um, platforms. Uh, but it's an opportunity they get to meet someone in person. And so I think that's still a really big deal because, um, you know, it's one thing to look really good on paper, but if you're also really great in person, then wow, you get like <laughs> you get like extra gold stars, and you know those those recruiters are going to really be looking out for that student or that mm-hmm. candidate's resume. Um, vice versa, if they're not so stellar on the resume, maybe although we really work with students on that, you know they can they can make up for it in person. Now the reverse could be true also; they could be really great on paper, and then maybe they're not so stellar in person. But that's why we have the other events to kind of help build up their confidence and, you know, how to start, how to have small talk and how to find common things that are appropriate to talk about with anyone, you know, weather and traffic. You know, you can always, especially in Houston, you can always talk about those things. Um, so career fairs are really important for students. I think that uh, normally we have, let's see, so we're we're limited by the space, the, the, the amount the space can hold, which is always a challenge for us. Uh, we have them over in A300, which are the ballrooms here on campus in the one main building on the third floor. And, oh, I think we can get about 40 or so in there at one time. Um, and so, but because we get a total of you know, 70 to 80 companies, we can't have them all one day. So that's why we divide them up. Now, for students, what's really great is even right now, they can already they already can see the day, the time, the location of those events. They can already see the companies that have signed up. So they can begin to put together what I say their top 10 list. Mm -hmm. And the top 10 list I think is really crucial because especially with our students and you know that, um, they're really busy. They're really busy and so they wanna make the best use of the time that they have, um, especially if they only have an hour or something when they get here. So I recommend they look at the list of employers, choose their top 10, do research on those employers, and maybe even number them. This is my number one choice, my number two choice. And then they're strategic when they get there, and they look to see number one. They have a really long line. Okay, what's your number two choice? Oh, there's no one there. Go over there. Mm-hmm. So that way they can really maximize the time um, that they have available. So um, you know, doing that is going to allow them to maximize their time, make connections in person, and then when there's more virtual interactions, it it, it has more staying power because they made the initial contact in person at career fair. So. Making in-person connections is still really strong. Employers really want to meet students in person. I mean, after the pandemic, I mean, they were <laughs> they were clawing at us. When are you doing stuff in person? We're like, well, we got to wait till we can get our students, you know, until everybody feels safe to be back in person. But employers have been ready for a while. And I get it, though, because especially when you're trying to hire uh, someone for an internship or full-time role, um, you know, paper is one thing and virtual is one thing, but really in person is where you can really tell, like 360, if someone might be a good fit or not. You know, there's a lot of intangible things and unspoken um, things. Right. You know, it's not just what some, it's the, the nonverbal cues. Not just what someone says, but what they also don't say. Their nonverbals, their eye contact, their confidence if they have a good handshake or not. Um, so, Those would be some of the strategies students could use, but I think if they also feel like they're not prepared to go up and talk with employers, they're not prepared to, um, they don't have the confidence to look them in the eye, shake Mm -hmm. their hand, how do they start a conversation, how do they close a conversation, that's what we're here for. And so appointments are how we typically work with our students, Mm -hmm. but they can also have um, a virtual session with us or a drop-in session with us each day. Um, We're always on Zoom, we're always in person. Um so we're here Monday through Friday and Tuesdays and Wednesday nights we're open till seven when classes are in session. So we're pretty
0: available, I would say. (laughs) I think we're pretty available. I would say you're more available than, you know, some people's own friends. I'm not going to lie. but I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, you know, you said something that stood out to me. You know, you have to get face-to-face with those recruiters. And shout-out to Alpha UHD. I was at their uh, first general meeting earlier this week. But one of the things that they told me was their experience at the National Convention. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very nerve-wracking because it, those conventions go by really fast for students in these sort organizations. But to bring it back to the career fair, um, you have an opportunity to speak face-to-face with a recruiter. You're one-on-one. What are some good strategies to be able to engage with the recruiter, whether you're in person at a career for or virtual? Um, so it's
1: important to know about the company. The worst thing in the world a student can do is walk up and say, hi, what do you do? What do you have available? Because <laughs> the is like, okay, wait a minute, let me get this. You're a college student and you're asking me um, because it's, you know, there's certain... Not only is it just not good overall; it's a bad way to, to make an introduction, we'll say. But it also was showing as a college student, they're not really willing and/or able to implement, you know, critical thinking and research skills, and kind of just showing that they care. It, it, it's um, there's if there's not much investment of time and energy, that's not a good look. So why would a company want to pursue that candidate for an internship or full time role? It's just asking for trouble. I, I'm not saying that's true necessarily, but that is the impression. Impressions, and especially first impressions, are really important, especially when you're talking about employment. We all have first impressions of folks, and it happens really quick. It's within like 10 seconds or something. You make your impression, you have your impression of that person, and sometimes it never can be changed. And so you want it to be a good one, not a bad one. So what students should do is, as I was mentioning earlier, they make a list of the companies they need to research the company what is their company culture what is their philosophy you know who are some of their if they're in a service industry uh, well because everybody's in a service industry in some way shape or form you know but who are some of their clients right um what are some of their big achievements what are they currently working on now what's their involvement in the community you know in this in a city the size of houston we have these huge multinational companies and as we all notice but maybe we don't really 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 solidify in our minds but when you go to the symphony the opera anywhere race for this walk for this there are sponsorships all over the place right and it's always names you know it's big energy companies big accounting firms mid sized accounting firms it's you know big box stores it's grocery stores it's restaurants it's you know and so what I want students to learn from that is, okay, realize that they're sponsoring, realize why they're sponsoring, and realize that they're also involved. They don't just give money to sponsor it. Right. So they're looking for that kind of mentality within a candidate too. They know it's important to keep um, good connections with the community. I mean, they have entire departments. If that's all they do yes. is keep connections with the community. So, um, so it's important that students, I think, research to the kind of involvement the companies have in with the community, mm-hmm. and what time they give for employees to engage in the community. Right. You know that they, they don't expect you to do it like on your own time per se. Um, but even if they do, what's the kind of recognition you get? Right. So, those I, would be some of the things that they'd
0: want to do. Nice. You know, those are very good strategies to be able to go in there armed and confident to be able to present your best impression forward and hopefully be able to get able to go to the next step in the process. Mm -hmm. Yes,
1: that's the goal. So one of the things we always tell our students is the resume is about getting an interview and then the interview is about getting an offer. Mm. And you don't want to get ahead of yourself in either one of those this is this point, this is this point. And also, if you get an offer, even if you really, really want it, I would always still say, don't accept it right away. Don't just knee-jerk accept it right away. Uh, And I think our students, in particular, might get concerned about that and think, but they're gonna pull it. No, they will not. (laughs) they're not going to pull the offer but as with a lot of things it's it's what you say and it's how you say it to them so you can't say right away oh thank you i'm really flattered i am really interested in this position but i need some time to think about it when by when do you need my response that is not going to shock them they're expecting to hear that they'll be more concerned if someone accepts it right off the bat i think because it makes it seem like the student's jumping at what they can get and maybe there's nothing else kind of they have nothing else in the in the in the pipeline pipeline. thank you i can't think (laughs) pipeline but even if they don't they don't want to come across that way and then also they have to realize that any any accepting of any kind of role it's a commitment you know and we all have expectations of commitments that anybody makes to us for whatever it is it could be the smallest thing to the biggest thing so when it comes to employment that's a big deal because we're also talking about i talked about professionalism earlier so for our students they're they're starting to they're identifying themselves they're coming out as a professional yes and so they're creating um their brand they're creating their brand and they don't want to be known as someone who breaks promises goes back on you know when they accept something that they're going to change their mind um they want to be sure of something so it's okay to say thanks i'm excited um You know, you can be thinking, God, I just want to accept it. I just want to accept it. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes you may be able to, but to give themselves time to think about it. And I also would encourage students to come and see us, especially if you have multiple, because this happens all the time, actually. (laughs) We have students that will get two, three offers for internships, two, three, four offers for full-time roles, Mm -hmm. which is a great problem to have. It's still a challenge. Because for them, they're like, I've never experienced this, and this is what it's all been for, and... You know, is salary the most important thing? Is it, you know, so we can talk with the student to help them understand, you know, to help them compare and contrast them. You know, for some students, it's really the name of the company. Okay, you know, oh, this name, but maybe not the salary. Okay, well, this is not the best name, but it has the best salary. Well, this one has the best of everything. Really good name, great total benefits package. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, health and medical as well as
0: salary and and all those things. So um, all those things are very important. And, you know, that's amazing advice because, you know, more often than not, a lot of students are first-generation professionals and they might not know you can pause the clock on an offer. Um, I was in a similar situation. Um, I was fresh out of my bachelor's. I got my bachelor's in marketing here from UHD. And at the time, I had been looking for agency roles here in Houston. And I found an opportunity with this one agency who actually reached out through LinkedIn. Um, Also, power of LinkedIn, you can find roles If you set it up correctly, recruiters actively looked on LinkedIn. Yes. Uh, We can dive into that in a second. Sounds good. But they gave us the, but I went through the interview process. They liked me as a candidate and they were really, um, they moved really fast enough that they extended an offer. Uh, Mm -hmm. However, me being a first generation professional, professional, I didn't know what to do. So I paused the clock and because my sister had been in this position before, uh, she advised me to just think about it do a little bit of research and you come back with a counter offer and that's how you're able to go over the lifetime of your professional earnings that's the difference between making $80,000 a year as your as your ceiling versus making 100 plus thousand a year and you know negotiations go a long way especially when it comes to salary and also balancing out um, opportunities down the line It may not be a right now, but down the line, you keep growing as a professional. Hey, we liked you whenever we interviewed you. The door is open. Would you like to interview for this manager role? And that's how people get ahead. You're so right about that.
1: So two things um, that you were mentioning there. So salary, um, yes, salary is important, but we really encourage our students to think about the total compensation package, especially because most of our students, it's not necessarily just them. They may be married, they might have kids, and or they're in a position of kind of some financial responsibility for the family. And so you know, health care is really important, um, having... Like um, like personal day off, personal time off, or sick time, whatever it might be called, you know, vacation time. Those things are really important too. Mm-hmm. And, and although salary is good, you know, but um, if someone's paying you, you know, a lot, a lot of money, but you never get time off, are you going to really be happy? So <laughs> something to, to think think about. But um, you're so right too in that even if a student gets an offer for a role and they end up turning that one down. If they handle it appropriately, the company is not going to be upset. They might be disappointed. They're not going to be upset with the candidate because they know that there's, you know, there's no guarantee that the student, the candidate's going to accept the offer. Um, there's also no guarantee that the company's going to make an offer. Right. So, but if they handle it appropriately, then normally what would happen is if the company... I mean, especially if they're making an offer. They, they wanted them. If they make an offer and the candidate declines it, they don't just mark that candidate off for the future. They might come back to that candidate and say, hey, what's, how are things? <laughs> so when you talk about systems like LinkedIn, I think if a candidate, even if they don't accept a role with a company, if they're connected to the company, they can keep up with what the company has available, If their contacts are still there, especially they can reach out over the years. You know, it's always, everybody should always be looking. Mm. You know, I I even look. It doesn't mean I'm looking to change the role that I'm in. I love what I do and where I am, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's really important that we practice what we preach and so I always look and I get notified by LinkedIn daily I looked at some things yesterday that came through I'm like oh this is really interesting <laughs> oh wow it's that much and it's fully remote you know I mean I, I get I get drawn to the same things that most folks do it's you, know, you see the money and you're like oh my gosh are you kidding me but then you start to read also the description like okay yes I mean they're not gonna give you that much for you know hardly doing anything yeah. um, but keeping connections is really important and um, keeping someone as part of your network can always come back to benefit you in the future. Even if you don't ever work for that company, if there's um, connections you can utilize, they might help you get in
0: front of another company for a position that they have. It goes both ways. Eventually it's that eight degrees of separation, and who knows, you might be able to get where you need to just through building connections and building uh, friendly connections across your industry. Um, But it sounds like you're really well knowledgeable about all these skills, sort of like you're this um, American Ninja warrior of business and networking (laughs) and career. You know, you guys have this awesome event lined up on your calendar. It's the boot camp. So tell us about this boot camp. And who is this for? You know, what do do you think these uh, people who go attend the boot camp will get out of this? Okay, so the boot camps might be a little bit confusing as far as the title, because
1: really what they're tied to for us has to do with the career fairs. Mm -hmm. Um, Because since we have the in-person career fairs, Mm -hmm. and then we have the virtual ones, they operate a little bit differently. Um, I think we get more questions from students about the in-person, because, well, it's just... In person's a little different it's more intimidating you have to be better more prepared you have to be (laughs) be dressed appropriately um you know there's a lot of factors that go into it but virtual you know can be kind of nerve-wracking too but i i feel like our students everybody uh, even if they weren't comfortable virtually prior to the pandemic they learned how to be during the pandemic because we just had to so i think our students are and there's always room to learn for the virtual part but I think they're more nervous for the so the in- person so I, the boot camp is really to help them understand some of the things we talked about mm-hmm. today you know here's where you can see the companies that are coming. this is what you should do to research them. Um, this is how you should prepare for the event be dressed for the event um, you know, show up on show up, show up spend a certain amount of time, follow up with the companies so some mm-hmm. of, some of the things we say are similar but some are different just because, Two are in person and one is virtual, so that's really what we're using as a boot camp. Um, sometimes boot camps are, um, in other career centers are sometimes utilized as um, like a day of events where they do multiple events um, covering competencies such as you know, resume writing and interviewing and networking and things like that, uh, which is also effective in that way. So I think for us we used boot camp because we thought, well, let's use a different terminology to kind of get them <laughs> their attention. But it is a boot camp about career fair. You right. know, what a career fair is, how it works, how you prepare, um, you know, tips and tricks and all those good things. Because as you said, the majority of our students are first generation, so they don't know uh, how career fairs work. And even though they may be working at least part time, a lot of times these jobs are not the level of the jobs they're gonna be going for now that they're pursuing a degree. Right. So therefore the event is a different type of event. These are different type of recruiters they have different interviews <laughs> you know it's a, it's a much more stringent process right but our students have everything they need to be successful it's just a matter of you know, polishing them up and i think really just building their confidence i mean i was the biggest reason why i came here is well first i was so impressed by the faculty and staff and then second um meeting the students i just couldn't believe the talent that was here um and i think being first generation, having level of responsibility, being non-traditional in lots of ways, including age. Um, you know, there's so many things that build character in our students and they're light years ahead of other candidates, but sometimes they just need more polishing, confidence, the right clothing, um, and some understanding of different competencies
0: um, so that they can present themselves the way that, that they want to come across. I really like that because more often than not, I've been always humbled by the types of individuals that I'm in the classroom with. Uh, some of my classmates work really hard and they do incredible things, um, but they just need a little bit of preparation to get them built up with the confidence, like you said, to be able to make that giant leap forward in their careers. And it, it's a game changer. It's, a, it's absolutely incredible that you guys offer these types of services. Um, now I want to give you a scenario, you know, on the flip side. You know, uh, I'm a job candidate seeker. I graduated from the university or I'm a a student seeking an internship. Um, I've sent out hundreds of resumes, but I just can't seem uh, to be connected to like an actual person, a real life recruiter. Um, I want to ask you what is an applicant tracking system, ATS? Hmm. Or, and how does that tie in with VMOC? And why is VMOC <laughs> such a valuable tool? Because everyone always is like, "VMock," VMOC. <laughs> right. But it serves a purpose. It does. And
1: we really aren't trying to make things difficult for our students. I really hate for there to be, you know, hurdles or hoops for anything. But, um, so, okay, yes, you have a very loaded question there. So, um, for VMOC, we... It's really important our students look really good on paper. Mm-hmm. And so VMONC uses artificial intelligence. It was the first system that had artificial intelligence in regards to creating and mastering a resume. Right. And it, it's expensive uh, for us to have it, but it's cheaper than hiring another staff member to just review resumes because you know, mm-hmm. we, we, we get that many. We have. A resume assignment is built into an undergraduate class that all business majors are required to take and it's also built into a required colloquium class for the mbas that's a lot of resumes mm-hmm. so we love it but if we if we didn't have vmoc we'd also be spending a huge percentage of her time just reviewing resumes. And then consequently what happens too is students start thinking that that's all we do. (laughs) We had this early on in the days of the Career Center because we've only been open since May of 14. Students would just think about us in regards to the resume. I'm like, okay, we have got to get past the resume part because the students then, we don't get to have any other conversations with them. They see us for the resume and then they don't come back. Right. So VMock, though, um, is a way that we can be more efficient with the resume review mastery process. It puts more responsibility back on the students as well, but it also allows them to work at the pace that they want to work at, which is how our students are. They work, they work on things when they can. Um, so if it's two o'clock in the morning, sure, go on VMOC and you, you work on your resume. We don't have to be open. So that's one thing I think is really attractive. We. I always think about we need to have accessibility for our students. We need to have, They need to be able to get what they need mm. just about any time. It's so important for our students because um, if there are too many kind of hurdles and things, they're gonna struggle more or they might stop. You know, they might say, this is not worth it. This this is, I can't do this. I can't juggle all these things. Right. Family and work and school and I don't have a life. So yes, VMOC is also really important because we know that companies, especially large multinational companies, which make up a lot of the companies in Houston, they use what are called ATS or applicant tracking systems. Mm-hmm. So these are computerized systems where they scan the resume in and they have it looking for certain words and, and phrases and if the resume doesn't have the words or phrases or if it has graphics, um, the graphics, you know, like certain lines or boxes or colors or, you know, um, which makes it look nice in person. But the problem is when the resume is scanned, it causes the system to misread something or to just totally fabricate something that wasn't even there. Right. So either way, if it's something that, that, the, that the computer's not looking for, the resume goes to the "don't look at" pile or the trash pile, as opposed to the "look at" pile. The "look at" pile is then what a human looks at, right? Because it goes from a thousand resumes to you know maybe two hundred or something. We'll say more manageable, a lot more manageable. Um, so it's understandable why they use those systems. So VMock helps us uh, help the student incorporate words and phrases and competencies that largely are gonna be embedded um, into those ATS systems. Um, and we also want them to have a very conservative-style resume that doesn't have a lot of graphics. It's more about the content. Mm. But we also want them to shine in person. You know, So the resume doesn't have to be super flashy. It should be good and have good quantities and achievements and things like that. But when they couple that with being very good in person, it's very likely they're going to get an interview. So that's largely that's ultimately why we use VMoC, um, is really to help the students perfect their resume. Employers for years now have been saying their resumes are very good, and that's because <laughs> of VMoC. So we know it's frustrating with stud- for students, um, but what they don't realize is we want them to use VMoC for those reasons, uh, but we know they're going to run into a challenge with it. But we're here to help. We only expect them to give it a try, you know, three, four uploads, see what it says, try to implement the feedback. And when they can't get past that point, we ask them to come see us because we know what it's looking for. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, we had to master that program before we launched it to the students. So we, we know what they're going through. Um, and also, if we find something that's just not working right or we've... We've realized that the marketplace has changed, and no longer our employers looking for you know this or that or whatever. We can make updates with the vendor um, whose product we're using mm-hmm. VMod, and they will adjust it for us. Wow! So we have it specific to um, the majors and the degrees that we have in our college. It's not just some general system, but it's not easy, per se. But I think part of it too is that it's requiring our students to write. Um, right achievements for jobs they've had or where they currently are, not just job duties. We want them to put in quantities, percentages and dollar amounts and, and uh, numbers. They're not used to doing that. Competencies, leadership, um, communication skills. They have these skills, they just don't think of them with these kind of labels. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So it's some of it's just we're kind of categorizing it differently for the students. And they, you know, I know it's extra work for them but in the long run, you know, it's kind of double, triple count. They get to count it in class at the undergrad and grad level when they have those courses, if they do their MBA with us as well as undergrad. Uh, and then the benefit ma- mainly is that they get to use it with employers.
0: Right. And they'll likely get a lot
1: more interviews.
0: So you've told us why ATS systems are what they are and why VMOC is so important to getting past that. Um, do you all have any events with VMock workshops this year?
1: Oh yes, so we always have a VMOC, we call it VMOC Masterclass, and um, sometimes we have an employer that comes in and helps present the information, but even if not, we present the information to the students, we basically kind of walk them through the process of uploading a resume, Mm -hmm. the feedback you get, and what VMOC's then wanting, how do you change, make the changes so that you get the score you're looking for. Um, the other great thing about VMOCK is it's gamified. So basically the students are trying to hit a score of kind of like 85 on a scale of 100. So if you think about it, and we're in higher education, so 85 is only asking for a B. We're not, we're not asking for an A or 100%. Um, but we gamify it because I think for some folks, and I'm like this, I like to see, yeah. where am I? Um, but anyway, so VMOCK Masterclass is really great for students to attend so they can better understand VMOCK. Whether or not they've used it yet, but especially if they haven't used it, I think they'll have um, they'll have an advantage over other students um, starting to use it that haven't come to that master class. Um, you know, we share a lot of tips and tricks that we have um, that normally we don't share unless the student comes to us directly in an appointment or you know, kind of a walk-in or a drop-in. So that event allows them to get that knowledge way beforehand before they run into it and
0: you know we do have some
1: students that get their resume through it very quickly
0: i love that you know honestly it sounds like you're ready to arm these students with these business skills sort of with their with your business jujitsu and <laughs> you're gonna be training them in the dojo uh all right let's talk about feedback you know um, right. we're about to get where one of the things my mom used to always tell me is don't act a fool at the dinner table. And I see that you have a business etiquette dinner at the end of the semester. Yes. Um, let's talk about why is it so important to be able to know how to navigate those business lunches? And, you know, answer this age-old question for me. Which one is the salad fork? <laughs> well, we'd have to have kind of the layout there. But um, so etiquette is,
1: is you know, it's part of professionalism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's... It's a competency. Professionalism is actually a competency, but it's it's a lot more general than some of the others by name. Right. Um, but etiquette dinners are really important because most of us don't grow up. I mean, we have basic manners at home, right? right. You know, certain things: don't put your elbow on the table. You know, you use a fork instead of a knife, and maybe you hold it this way. But but even if you even the things that you learn from your parents at home or your siblings or all of them when you go out to eat somewhere, mm-hmm. and if you're invited as a guest somewhere, someone's home or out of a restaurant, and it's a, it's a, um, you know, it's a more fancy, we'll say dinner, um, there's nerves there. Yes. And then, but also, as you said, there could be a place setting that's something like you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. There are three utensils on this side, there are three utensils on this side, there's a utensil up here, or two. You know, there's a coffee cup, there's, water or tea, there's dessert, there's bread, there's stuff all over the place. And you're thinking, oh wow, all this is just for me. And every person has a whole place setting like that. So for our students in particular, that is very overwhelming. So the etiquette dinner, okay, so why it's important too is once again, circling back to these multinational companies we have. We'll talk about consulting roles and accounting firms in particular. So they have clients. And they have clients who we also would recognize so easily by name. And when, you know, to schmooze them to get their business or to maintain their relationship so they continue to get their business, the accounting firm will have, you know, folks take them out to breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And certainly every time you move to a level, like breakfast is maybe more casual, but then you move to lunch, it's a little more formal. Dinner is probably a little more formal. Right. Um... So it's important as far as relationship building, making connections, it's everybody has to eat, so it's time that, that it's gonna be dedicated to that purpose anyway, why not have kind of a meeting over that too? Yeah. Um, so it's always a part of those positions for any of our students. Not only is it something that would happen when they're in the role, but it's something that they put, because of that, it's something they put them through in interviews right and so the etiquette dinner we bring in an outside consultant who's nationally known she's really entertaining um she loves the students she um she presents etiquette dinners uh, etiquette consulting for large multinational companies but also for um university students as well right so she has a lot of great experience and examples she can give um and so our for our students it's a great opportunity to attend a, a an etiquette dinner that's low pressure, there's still gonna be a little bit of stress, We wanna be dressed the way they would, normally business professional, the way they normally would be in in that setting in the real world with an employer, whether it's they're interviewing or they're now representing the employer with a client. Because having good dining skills is an impression that you're making on someone and so we can learn these things. These are not things we all just happen to know. It's just, like, it's just like interviewing. No one knows how to interview well right off the bat. We don't know. And it's trial and error, and it's seeing yourself on camera, as painful as that can be sometimes. When we hear ourselves, when we see ourselves, then we know if we hit the mark, or if we you know, didn't hit the mark we would want to hit on a daily basis. So etiquette's the same way. It's trial and error. And so the purpose of the event is to give them a less stressful, less intimidating environment, surrounded by other students and people that they know have their best interest at heart. Um, A facilitator that while she has great experience, she's there to train. She's here to make sure they know what to do, what not to do. Um, So she has a certain program that she provides but she takes questions throughout the whole event, and it's uh, at least a three- or four-course meal. Mm-hmm. So we, we do um, soup, typically, is how we start. Mm-hmm. Then we move to an entree, and then we move to dessert. But you also have in there... Iced tea, you know, how do you sweeten it? What do you do with the packet after you sweeten it? What do you do with the spoon after you stir it? How do you stir it? I mean, there's so many levels in every little thing. <laughs> she goes through. I mean, I always learn something. I'm like, wait, I didn't know that. Some things I like and some things I don't like, but I'm like, well, but this is what you got to do. Right. You know? and it doesn't mean the students have to implement it all at home or every time they go out to eat. But it's like, this is the ultimate. If you know all this, you're going to be good. So when you're with an employer, when you're interviewing, go here. But any other time, by yourself, with friends or family, you could be here or here or here, maybe. Yeah. Right? But we want them to know, like, the highest level of expectation that an employer would have. And I think that when they
0: have that, their confidence really grows. Yes. Their confidence really grows. Uh, you know, I have to say, I have a few friends who were classmates here that went to that etiquette dinner. They got dressed up all nice. It was at the Hotel Icon. Yep. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. They did look confident at the end of that <laughs> dinner. <laughs> no, but you're right. There's abs- That's absolutely true. There's a difference from enjoying a hot dog at Minime Park versus going to a five-star dining establishment like, Den- like Brenner's on the bike. Brenner's is actually one of the last few places in the city that actually requires guys to wear a sports coat or some type of coat before they have uh, dinner and they're able to sit down by the major D. Yes. 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 But it's a good experience to have. Yeah. It's and, a good experience to have. And to be able to close a deal, deal over dinner, that, that that's honestly, I'm not going to lie, that'd be really cool. Um, now, you know, we're coming up on our last question. Okay. It's, it's a two-parter. So, you know, <laughs> we're going to get to the exit in a second. <laughs> okay. But let's talk about mixers and okay. social batteries, you know. Um, mm. Some of us are aberrants. Some of us are extroverts some of us are introverts you know what is the best way to get out there and network and meet new people at a mixer and you know what tips would you have for someone who you know it's their first time oh it is loaded so well a lot of our students um
1: won't even want to go to a mixer until mm-hmm. they maybe have some type of preparation and so usually their struggle is where do I go to get preparation? So what I would say is, you come see us. That's what we're here for. Um, You know, the biggest thing with students in career centers is, I think often they think that we expect them to know things or be at a certain level of proficiency when they come in. Mm -hmm. And we do not. Just come in. You do not have to be dressed up. Be in jeans, be in shorts, enjoy being a student. Um, We're here to help you. You don't have to be dressed any certain way, unless it was for an interview with an employer. you know. But come see us, and then we don't expect you to know Mm -hmm. really anything. And I love when a student comes in and says, I have no clue, but I'm here. And I'm like, terrific. Because that is honestly, Miguel, the biggest thing. If we can get students to just come see us, then we can help them. Right. So I think, in, in particular, I think our students, because they're so used to being self-sufficient, which is a huge skill. I mean, I commend them on that. But it's okay to admit to us, really anyone in the university, I'd say, that you are not an expert in something, that you don't know. It's okay. This is a safe place here. <laughs> we are here for the students. So we want them to be successful. So, I mean, in my mind, it's better if a student is honest with me and say, Mr. Hobby, I have no clue. Okay, let's get started. You know, but if they come in, then I have to. We still have to assess anyway where they, where they are compared to what they say, where they say they are. So coming into us and helping them understand, um, you know, how you start small talk with someone, how mm-hmm. you try, how you maybe find something in common, or what topics of conversation are safe topics. And we all do it. Like I said earlier, you can talk about the weather, you can talk about traffic. These are things we all have in common, especially in Houston. Um, you know, you can talk about the stock market. I mean, there's a lot of things that are really pretty safe. The two big things to stay away from would be, like, religion and politics. No. Yeah. Just They want to just be really careful of very, um, uh, very polarizing-type topics, especially yeah. with someone you don't know. You don't want to... Even people you do know, sometimes you don't want to go there. Um, so for a student who doesn't know... You know how to handle a mixer. We can help them understand some of these things, and then if they go, they don't feel so unprepared. I think that's the uh, the biggest reason why they feel kind of scared or nervous about going. I mean, none of us want to look or be be uh, pointed out as, oh, they don't know what they're doing. Look at them standing over there. Now, something you mentioned that's interesting about personality type. So, you know, introvert doesn't really mean someone's not social. It, it has more to do with their energy level and how it depletes and how they refill it. Mm-hmm. Um, an introvert, as they, when they're at an event like a mixer... And I'm actually an introvert by heart. Oh, <laughs> so I can do what I love to do, but I've learned what I have to do to come across the right way. Right. But Because when I tell people I'm an introvert, typically they're like, you, no way. And I'm like, mm-hmm, I'm really an introvert, especially with my circle of friends. I'm like, the, well, depends. sometimes I'm the quietest one, sometimes I'm the most talkative one. But when I go to an event like a mixer, I get drained, like my my tank is on full when I enter and it starts to go down. Mm. And when I hit empty, I have to go. Yes, Because I just can't smile anymore. It's not that I'm not authentic, I'm worn out. Like I've been socialized to death, I gotta go, my tank's on empty, I have to go in whatever I do, small group of friends, playing tennis, having a nice dinner, watching a movie, playing with my dogs, whatever it is for me. That's how I get that gauge full again. Extroverts go. Their tank's on full, and the longer they're there, it just keeps getting more and more full. They, you know, they fill two, three, four, five, six tanks. They get more energized. And so um, sometimes if an introvert and extrovert go to an event together like that, eventually the introvert's like, okay, I'm going to go. And the extrovert's like, ah, it's just, I'm just getting started. The ext- introvert might go. The extrovert stays another two hours. So neither is better than the other. It's just a matter of knowing which type you are right. and really owning it. But being prepared for it, too. I think introverts are more likely to need preparation when going. They don't want to be maybe surprised. They don't want to try to figure something out, like explore the moment. Um, so if they get the preparation and they go, and then they realize when their tank is empty, mm-hmm. they go. But I think if they also have a plan, like a career for and they've got their top ten. Like If you give them instructions, I think they're going to look at the they're gonna follow the instructions and they won't think so much about, oh, I'm nervous about so and so because they're following steps one, two, three. <laughs> An extrovert, I think, wants more flexibility. They're not gonna be concerned about it. They can adjust really quickly sometimes. And now obviously there's mixing and matching, right? Yes. I think we can, we can have kind of a dominant type and then we can have the other, you can be in between mm-hmm. like what you were saying. So I think I'm in between. I can adjust. Sometimes I have to force myself uh, to be more extroverted but I've learned over the years to do what I do, I have to be. But thankfully, in my field, I get enough time where I feel like I nurture the ex- introverted component of who I am. Mm-hmm. And then I'm ready for when I, I need to turn on the, ex- the extroverted component, if that makes sense. So I try to share that with our students, too, because I've seen students come in and like painfully shine introverted not that they're the same thing and but as they gain confidence and they had know they have the ability to plan and research and be prepared and then they go it's amazing how they change from the time they enter as a student to the time they walk out the door I so many examples like a totally different person but that's what we want you know and, and, and that's not saying that they're employed in their field or not when they when they leave I mean that's a separate thing but I think just the journey they've been on and the growth that they've encountered I feel like they get so much. Like It's been worth it for them. It's been um, more than just the academic part. They've embraced. They've learned so much from the whole experience. And they walk out a totally different person. They're still true to who they are. Mm. But they're this whole different person. And... It's a true benefit to them. You know, they've changed their life and they change their family's lives too often. You know this. You know somebody. Yeah. It's an entire, and also they, they change the lives of siblings coming after them often too. They've, they've kind of forged this path and there's now a path that those siblings can look to and maybe follow. Because oh, it's man. been laid out for them already and that's hard. That's a scary so I don't want our students I understand why they're scared or nervous or don't think they could make it or what. You know, but that is what we're here for. If they come in and say, I don't have a clue, but this is what I need, that's what we're here to
0: help them with. You know, on the flip side, I have to ask you another question. And I think this is it. The time has come to say goodbye. Oh. Congrats. <laughs> but, you know, you're leaving the mixture, you know. What is the best way to mm. say goodbye to those connections that you've made? Mm. And what are your thoughts on the Irish exit? <laughs> so I do think it's important to always say goodbye. Um, so
1: if you're at a mixer, it's a little easier to just kind of disappear and no one's going to really notice that much. Um, but it's important. Well, well. so when you're at a mixer, the goal is to, to meet, to have good quality connections. So it's not necessarily uh, a numbers game i would say but you do want to meet a certain number of folks and i think conversations start and end throughout the event so when you're leaving if you've met 20 people it's gonna be difficult to say bye to all of them i think you always say bye to the host or whoever you think you might need to say bye to or certainly you would say bye and that you're leaving to the last person you talk to but what really you should be doing is during the mixer as you're meeting folks as you see you're transitioning to you know ending that conversation you need to get some contact information you know see if they have a business card see if you can scan or they can scan your qr code you know in linkedin um, how you can follow up now obviously if it's a classmate as opposed to an employer it's a little bit different maybe what information you collect or you know how you how you end the conversation but i think um when you're leaving, if it's a big event, you can just kind of disappear. Now, if you're at somebody's house um, for a dinner or something, it's really important you always say goodbye to the host. You don't just leave. Now, if you have more than one host and one of them's not available, then just say goodbye to the one you can find <laughs> and then go. Because that's a big deal when it's a smaller, um, more intimate event that's more personal but could be business too. If there's a smaller group, it's really obvious when you're leaving. Right. Yeah. And it's really important that you say goodbye and think you had a good time and then even send a follow up later. Mm -hmm. Now, at something like a mixer, no matter how you depart, could be the one you're saying, you know, the Irish one, but um, follow up is really important. Right. Um, Maybe not so much if it's a classmate that you met, although it's great to continue that connection and really solidify it by following up with at least a quick email or a chat message or something because students, Instagram, you know, whatever platforms they're using these days. But um, with an employer, um, an email or reaching out on LinkedIn to send something as a follow-up just to reiterate that they enjoyed meeting them and maybe the the student indicates a few few points that they made in their conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you never know, it could lead to further conversations, could lead to landing an interview, could lead Help lead to getting an offer to something or a referral to some other position in some other company where they know someone and said, you know, I met student X and they were so fantastic and they followed up and you know we don't have a role for them or, you know, we're, we're in a whole totally different industry than what they're, they're looking for, but you might be interested. Mm-hmm. So I think it goes back to the brand. It's really important how you connect with folks, how you end the conversations, that you get contact information, that you follow up. Um, cause your brand, it's all part of that.
0: I get that. So. I, I love that. You know, essentially your key takeaways are make meaningful connections, say goodbye appropriately, read the room and, you know, don't essentially disappear like Homer Simpson into the hedge behind the, like, uh, the greenery. Don't pull, don't just sneak out of there. But you know, there are some times where it might be acceptable. Well, we'd like to thank you for coming onto the program, Brett. Um, We'd like to also ask the audience to follow the Career Center at Higher Davies or just look them up on LinkedIn um, at uh, the Maryland Davies College of Business Career Center. Uh, This has been Gator Bites, the official business podcast of the Maryland Davies College of Business. I've been your host, Miguel Gomez. Our producers have been Ricardo Saint, Victor Henson, our set designers, Evangeline Navasquez. And we want to remind you to remember to take a bite out of business. We'll see you later, Gators.